You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. The editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. Tuesday, June 9th. John, how are we doing? Doing well. Having a good day today. Happy. I like that. It's always good to be happy here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. And why not? We got a good show for you planned ahead. The big story of the week is Patrick Mahomes being featured in that viral video and what happened as a result of that. We're going to dive deeper into that in segment two. We'll go through some Chiefs news to begin your day over the past couple of days. The Chiefs are starting to have some stories that are emerging through the news where we were in this virtual offseason and it seemed like nothing was happening for a while. And now it finally seems like, and I don't want to say it is a ton of news, but it finally seems like we're getting to a point where we're getting some tangible updates on training camp and maybe, just maybe, things will start to get moving here. We'll see. I mean, you're right. We are getting some pieces of news about things that could conceivably change. I think the NFL is doing something a little different than they would normally do by putting up these trial balloons. You know, well, we're talking about doing X, and then the league reacts to that, and then they maybe do Y instead, or maybe they do some version of X. And that's not the kind of behavior we typically see from the NFL. They tend to just say, this is what it is, deal with it. And through the pandemic, they have been a little more flexible about these things by putting out these trial balloons, I think. For those of you that don't know and had to learn it like me a few episodes ago, a trial balloon in Washington is when (laughs) something is floated out to the media and you're able to see how people react to it before you come out with a definitive decision. And so, John, you've seen this, I guess, with the NFL where they're starting to talk about training camp protocols and other things we're going to get into and just seeing how fans react to maybe something like training camp, not necessarily being at St. Joe. Are fans opposed to that? How are certain teams going to react before saying, okay, hammer down, here's what's happening. You're actually right about that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, we had a report, what, last week, uh, a week ago today, I think it was, that they were going to require teams do training camp in their team facilities. But they have not yet made that official, right? which suggests to me that you know maybe they're being lobbied by the teams that want to go outside their team facilities to do training camp. The Chiefs are certainly in that group of teams. Maybe those teams are saying, no, 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 no. That's not what we want to do. You know? And all teams have the opportunity to do that. This is unlike some of the other places where the NFL has said we have to have a level playing field for everybody. 
it's entirely up to teams if they want to leave. So I could see how the NFL might be willing to listen to that kind of lobbying from the 10 teams that like to travel. Whether it's happening or not is pure speculation, but it could be. And it matters on this podcast because we cover the Kansas City Chiefs, who we know love to go to St. Joseph, to Missouri Western to have training camp. Andy Reid loves that setting where it's like boot camp. He loves the camaraderie that's built. He loves the pure focus on football. From everything I'm hearing, this isn't something with the hammer down quite yet. I think that there right. is a outside, outside chance that Chiefs could still head to St. Joseph. This won't be over until the NFL says, no, this is a done deal. Teams will be remaining at their facility. We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com. Let's get into some of the news from the past few days. The NFL said that coaches could go back to the facilities. We weren't 100% sure that Andy Reid would be in the mix, but the Chiefs confirmed that with that Ford truck commercial video they posted to their Twitter account where Andy Reid in slow motion gets out of his truck and looks at the camera directly and says, fire up, and he's back in the building. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he's left since. That was what? <laughs> Last Thursday, he might still be at the facility. <laughs> well, he's got a truck there. He could leave if he wanted to. So if he's there, it's on an entirely voluntary basis. Nice truck, too. What's interesting about this, and this is something that's been going around the NFL, is as teams start to come back to facilities, what is supposedly going to be happening is temperatures being taken at the door where you have to meet certain guidelines, and this will just be an initial test to get back in the building as NFL facilities start to open up. So you're probably seeing that in Kansas City. I expect that this will become the norm for, I think, a lot of places of business like this, where this will just be a precaution you have to follow. If you're not meeting a certain temperature in your body, you won't get in the building. And this, again, is to prevent the spread of the novel coronavirus. Yeah, I think a lot of people at their regular jobs are seeing this. I know that that's the case at, at my wife's workplace. Now, she's been working from home for a while, but if she has to go to the office for any reason, which she does have to do occasionally, man, she's got to get her te temperature taken when she walks in the door. So it's not unlike what's happening elsewhere in our lives. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting, I think, new world in that regard because – just the other day, I, I had lunch with some colleagues, and then later it came out that this particular place had an employee that, that showed up COVID positive. And oh you call around, you start to see, I ended up calling one of the health departments. And some of the guidance I got is, A, unless you're in direct contact for about 10 minutes, it's really tough to contract the virus. But, but B, this is going to be more common. I think we're going to be seeing this as the world opens up. It's pretty much unavoidable that people are going to begin to be testing positive. That includes the NFL. So you're starting to see the NFL make adjustments. Tom Pelissero and Sports Illustrated Albert Breer, they were able to obtain the memo sent to teams throughout the league of protocols to reopen the facility. This is a head of training camp, so players could maybe start coming in. Here were some of the key details, and we went through them on OurHeadPride.com. Locker rooms must be reconfigured so that player and personnel are six feet apart. 
Team meetings must be conducted virtually when at all possible. Equipment such as shoulder pads and helmets must be disinfected after each game. Masks will be required except when interfering with athletic activities and teams will have to classify staff in three tiers to limit unnecessary contact between individuals. I can tell you right now, the Chiefs and the facility, the way it's built, both at Arrowhead Stadium and at that practice facility, are not equipped at the moment to have six feet apart, especially if you're considering a 90-man roster. So I think what you're going to have to see is a utilization of both locker rooms where they're busting players. They, there may be some kind of, you see it at country clubs, this tennis bubble that goes up in the winter where you're able to have additional lockers with, with six feet apart. They're going to have to have some facelifting and get creative if they're going to meet these NFL protocols. Well, those both buildings are both pretty large. They've probably got some spaces they can use if they need to. More at Arrowhead Stadium than the practice facility. You'd be surprised, John. I worked there for three years every day, how small that place actually is. It really just hasn't gone under any renovations in a really long time. And so they would need an extension to that building if they're going to keep all the players down there. Or maybe you can put that extension on the actual practice field. There's three fields there. So maybe you mm-hmm. can take one of the fields. I know there's a, a turf one and, and use it. it. It's interesting. I, I made this note on Twitter and our website. If the NFL is recommending that the team in-house without media continues to have virtual meetings where it's ideal for people to essentially have their own pods and to do it on Zoom, the media that you're going to get this year in my opinion, it'll be completely different. If they're not letting the team meet with each other, I find there's no way that they're going to stop these Zoom conference calls anytime soon. So if you're stopping the public pressers where you're able to get some FaceTime and really, I think, connect with players, the locker room where you're able to build relationships and have a little bit more added tidbits and players feel a little bit more comfortable when you can have conversations off the record and so on and so forth, The information that's going to be coming out of the league, at least to training camp, and we'll see how long this extends, it's going to be a little, I think, more uninteresting than it has been in previous years. I'm just seeing a pattern of what's developing here. I don't know if we're going to be in the locker rooms at all this year. And now with this measure, I'm starting to wonder if we're ever even going to have a face-to-face press conference, be it after practice or even after a game at this point. Well, we've seen a lot of things change during the pandemic. And we've known pretty much quite right from the start that some of these things were going to be permanent. That, right. you know, for example, people working from home, that they might never go back to the office once the businesses realized, oh, this actually works pretty well. You know, maybe they resisted that idea for a while, thought it wouldn't work. And then they find out that people can still be productive and they might save a few bucks here and there on one thing or another. And it's like, well, why not? This could be the same thing. I think it would be unfortunate if news media didn't, didn't have the opportunity to talk directly with players outside of a Zoom environment. I've noticed one thing I like about it is that press conferences are less chaotic. Usually press appearances, uh, in my experience, you know, you're trying to wave in your hand and trying to jump in in front of other people and one reporter will tend to dominate it and ask dumb questions, but the Zoom conferences aren't quite that chaotic and everybody gets a better chance to ask their questions. 
but all the points you make otherwise are exactly correct. There's a lot of downsides to it. And I don't know that I would trade those downsides for less chaos and process. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you make a good point. I, I do like the Zoom pressers in one regard where you're right, you're able to sort of get the floor. What's tough is follow-ups. If you've noticed and you've listened to From the Podium or watched some of our press conferences on YouTube or whatever like that, I will occasionally, when I really feel like I need two points, just ask both at the same time because I find in these Zoom pressers, I may never get the floor again. And that's just a product of being still fairly new to reporting on the NFL scene. I'm still within, what, three years of being out of I guess the chief's building. So I get that where an Adam Teicher who's been there forever is going to get the first nod and be able to come back and ask follow-up questions based upon some of the answers. So it changes how the reporter goes about it where I have two really different thoughts, but I better ask them in one shot because this coach, this player has 20 minutes. I may never get to ask my next question. So again, it's changing how the NFL is operating and it's worth wondering and asking the question, will it ever go back to being allowed in the locker room again? Because a lot of times the NFL could say, we really like this. Our players get their privacy. This is working out fine. Why are we going back? If it's left up to the teams, I don't know if the Chiefs would ever open the locker room. I, I really don't. And I think it's a question worth wondering. And then it goes to, well, what kind of stories will you really get to get to see will you be able to get to know these players outside of Achiefs.com? I don't love that direction, but it, it is reality, and I think it's, it's certainly on the table. Another point that I had about this was I talked about the tiers of people that could interact with each other on these new protocols. Players and coaches are tier one, and a guy like general manager Brett Beach would be tier two. So this would sort of make sure that tier one guys and tier two were separate, at least in physical distance. Hard to believe that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid may not get to interact regularly with Brett Veach. That makes me wonder how closely will the NFL watch and monitor and penalize these protocols? Do they have enough manpower to do so? Are these just for optics? It's, it's just, I don't know the logistics of this new world and how the NFL is going to, I guess, monitor 32 different cities like this. Right. And, and I think it's important to recognize it doesn't mean they can't have contact, but it has to be regulated in a certain way. Right. You right. know that if that Patrick Mahomes can go into Brett Veach's office, but they're going to have to wear face masks and, and observe social distancing and, and do all those things. But we're not going to see Brett Veach come into the locker room after a game and hug every player. You know, those are the kinds of things that we're not going to see that we've become accustomed to seeing over a period of time. I know I thought, thought it was interesting that they're not specifying, at least I, I didn't see it. I, the letter printed out so small on my screen, I could hardly read the damn thing, but they're not specifying that players are required to have interior plexiglass on their helmets as many players do already. And I would think that would be a key issue once they start the scrimmages and games that players aren't able to breathe on each other directly while they're grappling with each other. Yeah, I, I get the protocols. And so I want to be very clear here. I understand the NFL has taken their precautions, but we're talking about football. So yeah. you're going to suggest 
having these virtual meetings instead of meeting in person where teammates aren't going to be close to one another. Then you're going to throw them out on a field where they're touching <laughs> and sweating and bleeding all over each other. And then the instant the game is over, it's like, no, back to six feet. <laughs> it seems like you either go all in or just hold the season a little bit to me. Things like this and that line of thinking always makes you wonder how much is for optics and how much legitimately makes much sense at all. Want to move on to Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson is one of the hosts of NFL Network's Good Morning Football. He's become a loud voice of the NFL today. He was recently asked on an NFL Network podcast, who is the best wide receiver in the NFL? Best wide receiver right now in the league is Tyreek Hill. Mm, the yeah, best? It's, it's a little bit of a twist. I, I just feel like he is the most dangerous. And it also has to do with his quarterback. So I, I, can, I can say... Julio, of course, when Antonio was playing, um, Mike Thomas is a phenomenal talent. But, I mean, dangerous, though. Like, Tyreek Hill is a freak of nature. Um, Mike Thomas and Julio will forever be consistently in the conversation. But as far as dangerous, going with Tyreek Hill. Michael Thomas and Julio Jones have been ahead of Tyreek Hill in what? Seemingly every list that we've republished on Mm arrowheadpride.com this offseason. This is the first one. I could remember where a major name legitimately goes, okay, no, it is Tyreek Hill right now. I've been saying that he was on the verge of this for a few years just because I'm there every day and I could sort of see what he's working on. But you're finally starting to see, I think, he'll break through what will be the national media. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that Burleson was exactly right to describe him as dangerous. I mean, we saw that in the Super Bowl. 2-3 Jet Chip Wasp is a play that hardly any other receiver could run. There aren't that many guys that could run that kind of a play effectively. And that's what makes him dangerous as a player, as someone that teams have to pay attention to, which of course is part of the reason why Sammy Watkins has become so good in the postseason is that teams are devoting so many resources to controlling Tyreek Hill that it creates opportunities for Watkins. More than 2,500 Chiefs fans from ArrowheadPride.com weighed in as to whether Tyree Kill is the best wide receiver in the NFL. 80% over 2,000 said, indeed, yes, he is. 20% said, no, that's predictable. What's funny about that to me is if you probably asked every other team's fan base in the NFL, you're probably about 90, 95% no. I bet you there's only 5% of the rest of the country saying that Tyree Kill is the best because they would say Michael Thomas, most likely. Interested in seeing if Tyree Kill can maintain a 16-game schedule this year. He missed a chunk of games last season, was still able to compile 860 yards. I think his numbers would be outrageous if he's able to be healthy throughout, especially with the way that Mahomes has grown and Hill himself has grown and the way he looks this offseason. I think this is going to be the... I don't want to say breakout year because he certainly has already broken out, but the breakout year when it comes to being a candidate for the best wide receiver in the league. We wrapped up our ranking the Chiefs series with my list, which all of the fans did not necessarily agree with, which I took to heart. And so I've been thinking about that for the past few days. But now that we've wrapped up this list, John, I'll I'll turn the floor over to you. What happens next year? Well, we... um 
if you've been reading the series, the uh, contributors have all taken entirely different approaches to it, which has been fun to read. I've really enjoyed that part of it is seeing how different contributors chose to make their choices, you know, what kind of a spin they wanted to put on it. For example, Tom Childs, who's, who lives in England and has had to watch the Chiefs from afar without the benefit of a local TV station that carries every game. And he chose to do the top five Chiefs of the Game Pass era because that's when he could really watch <laughs> every game. And there are Chiefs fans all over the world who have exactly that same perspective. And I thought that was, I thought that was a really fun article. Now, I didn't agree with it, of course, because I've been watching the Chiefs on my local TV for my whole life, and I've seen players that I would have put on that list, That and Tom chose players that I wouldn't have chosen as the top five, but I appreciated the approach that he took to it. Craig Stout wanted to go defense. I think that was great. Contributors reflected their ages. Most of you guys right. are a lot younger than I am, so mine was more about the the – first Super Bowl team than it was many of the other contributors. And that's a reflection of what our fan base is. You know, we have people of all ages. We have people who live all over the world who are fans of the Chiefs. And so I thought it's, I thought it's been a perfect exercise in seeing how the Chiefs look to so many different people. We had a poll on each contributor's list and we figured out a way to uh, weight those contributor lists based on how well they were perceived by the readers and they changed a little bit. And this week we're allowing people to post in the comments to these articles, their own top five lists. So we can have a, a top five list that is strictly from the readers without the bias of the contributors thrown in. This has really been fun. And I, it looks like the, the readers have really enjoyed reading the series and, uh, and taking part in the comments. Yeah, the goal at the end of this would be to have a definitive five greatest Chiefs of all time. Now that we're having some readers weigh in, you find that in research, the more people that you can involve, the closer you get to how the masses feel. So I think by the end of this, we'll know really, truly who the fan base and everyone that could possibly weigh in, who they truly regard as the top five greatest Chiefs of all time. And their choices will be skewed somewhat by uh, their own backgrounds. You know, I think most of our readers are younger than I am. So I think we're going to see, you know, more recent players in this list than a list that I would make or a list that Craig Stout would make because we're among the two older guys on the staff here. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, as you noted in your version of the article, this is all subjective. There are no wrong answers. People have their own ideas. But if you put all of those together, then that reflects the character of the fan base and and that should be a pretty good list. I think it'll be a little bit different than either of the two we've put together so far. It's a good transition. Tyron Matthew actually named his three greatest chiefs this week on Twitter, and he called Derek Thomas, Pat Mahomes, and Will Shields his perfect list there. So we polled the fan base as to what they thought of Tyrod Matthews' list. He got 38%, a strongly perfect list, 53%, somewhat perfect, but that's a pretty good rating for Matthew, as I've seen in, in a lot of the lists that we've put up. I mean, he was pretty close to what the fan base thinks. Yeah, and in fact, the uh, strongly agree and 
somewhat agree percentage was greater than anybody <laughs> on our staff. Nobody had uh, numbers that high on our staff. But, you know, that's to be expected. You know, everybody agrees Tyron's an expert. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I, I understand this football thing is pretty lucrative, but if he ever wanted to make a little less money and come be a writer for us. Oh, yeah. Just want to say that, that the door is, is always open for you, Tyron. Absolutely. Also worth noting, he's debuting a web show on Bleacher Report on Tuesday titled The Landlord. We talk about how Tyron Matthew is the landlord when it comes to quarterbacks in the AFC who owe him rent. Now he's paying rent for four families in the New Orleans area where he grew up amid struggles with the coronavirus and the sponsor is matching his donation to them. So two months rent get paid. It's a really cool web series. We have more information up at arrowheadpride.com. And finally, a minor transaction came through this week. The Chiefs bring back Andrew Soro, release wide receiver Felton Davis. No real reaction from me here. This was a guy who was interesting last year for the Chiefs, made a couple plays during the preseason ended up getting injured, now gets a, a second crack at it. This will be someone that you look for toward the end of the roster if he is to make the team. Yeah, to me, the most interesting thing about this is what it revealed about the free agent process right after the draft. It was widely reported by some outlets that Soro was signed to the team right after the draft. And we were aware of that. And we dug around and we didn't find the evidence convincing that he had, in fact, been signed. Right. And the Chiefs never announced him as a player that they had signed. Yet it's really clear that Soro's agent was talking to the Chiefs. Right. And that they had made some kind of agreement in principle, which apparently might have been, well, as soon as we have somebody who's injured, Andrew's on the team. And I wonder how how that happens. Huh? The hidden 91, 92, maybe 93-man roster. You never mm-hmm. know what's happening behind the scenes. There are handshake agreements. There's more layers to this than meets the eye of simply checking spot rack or even the Chiefs.com roster and saying this is who's with the team. Pretty clearly, you're right. Soro knew he was coming back. It just mm-hmm. was how was he going to be placed upon the roster? And finally, with Davis, there, there was a way. And so now should be all set for when these guys resume activities, we think, you know, in a couple weeks, a couple months here, whenever that is. We'll, we'll see. We're, we're, right now, we're still on track for the training camp schedule. So we're assuming things will start to resume in person in late July. We don't. No, 100%, I don't think at this point, but that's right, right now that's all we got. So, so we'll stick with, with that date. So that's your roundup of Chiefs news since last Thursday. When we come back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we'll dive deeper into Patrick Mahomes' involvement into the Black Lives Matter video and that fantastic article by Jason Reed of ESPN's The Undefeated, what it means for Patrick Mahomes' influence in the league. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, the Tuesday, June 9th edition. Gotten some comments from all over and seems like people are enjoying the show. We're already at episode 13, so I think that's an accomplishment in itself. Want to get into this Patrick Mahomes involvement in the Black Lives Matter video that really went completely viral in the sports world toward the end of last week. Quickly, I'll go through the timeline since we last left off here on the AP Editor Show. After the Drew Brees comments, Patrick Mahomes, Tyron Matthew, and some of the other stars in the league, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins was included, Ezekiel Elliott, they released that widely seen video demanding the NFL admit they were wrong to shut away the protests before of police brutality and embrace the Black Lives Matter movement. At 6.30 Friday, we get this from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe Black Lives Matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much-needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. All right, so John, I want your reaction here, but first a couple things for me. Happy this came through. I had mentioned my feelings on the matter during last week's episode. I do want to say happy it came through, but this was a Friday time news dump, so really no worse time, I think, to release the video. Again, happy that it was released, but no worse time by the NFL to release the video. It seemed like a monumental moment, but the reports following said that Goodell really didn't talk to a ton of the owners. This is not like 
all 32 owners voted on this video response by the league. It just was something Roger Goodell thought was necessary and acted upon swiftly and did it himself. So again, I'm awaiting and seeing how a lot of these owners react. And then to me, once again, happy, but it is just a video. What is the follow through going to be here? A number of people immediately commented that it was too late. Some others said, well, when are you going to hire Colin Kaepernick, who has been unofficially blackballed from the league since protesting initially a few years back. So, John, when you saw Goodell take this measure, what was your reaction? I was flabbergasted. I mean, when was the last time that the NFL admitted any kind of fault on any kind of thing? I mean, I just can't remember any time that the NFL has issued a statement, anything like the statement that Goodell issued on Friday night. And I agree, scheduled during news dump time, normally an entity will release something like that at that time because they want to get as little play on it as possible. But there was never any chance that this wouldn't be shared far and wide. And I mean, there, there was just no avoiding it. So I agree that it was released at the ideal time from the NFL's perspective to create the least amount of noise, but there was never any way it wasn't going to be a thunderclap because it was. It was a thunderclap, unlike any we've ever heard from the league. Yeah, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see whether this translates to concrete action by the league that's approved by all the owners. I would be interested to see Roger Goodell actually walking in a peaceful protest as Mitt Romney did the other day, which many political observers thought was just as noteworthy a development as uh, Goodell's statement on Friday. Yeah, what was interesting to me is in my role with 610 Sports Radio, I do this weekly hit at one o'clock on Fridays. And one of the questions was the Chiefs throwing their support behind Tyron Matthew and Patrick Mahomes in that quote tweet of the video. And while, again, pleased that the Chiefs are doing the support, and I think it's the right thing to do. There is a little bit of what other choice did they have? It's Patrick Mahomes. And we only saw a microphone of that, an amplification of that, put on this past weekend of a story that came out. You can get it at arrowheadpride.com. It's our Tuesday lead arrow headline story from ESPN's The Undefeated, Jason Reed, Title is simple. The power of Patrick Mahomes saying Black Lives Matter. And to me, here was a key quote, and I have a couple of these from the article and we'll go through them now. And I quote, getting Mahomes to participate in the video was so big. A white NFL club official texted the undefeated on Friday. It wasn't just that Mahomes was part of the group. He played a key role looking into the camera and declaring for the first time in that video, Black Lives Matter. Whoa. At that moment, Goodell and the owners were backed into a corner. As hard as they have worked to avoid even the mere mention of race, often awkwardly, let alone the whole Black Lives Matter movement over the past four years, seeing their best player saying those words required an immediate shift in strategy. John, I'll let you comment on this. I do want to play Jason Reed, the author of this article from ESPN's Get Up. What was the impact of having both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson involved in that video from the players last week? Well, Greeny, it was enormous. Uh, We all know that this is a quarterback league, 
and Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are two of the brightest young stars in this game. And quarterbacks are the most protected class in this league, and they dominate the discussion in this league, and they are the faces of this league. So with both of those young men, when they attached to that video project and gave a commitment that they were going to do that, it, it fundamentally changed the discussion in the NFL corridors of power because you could not be opposed to what these young stars, these guys who are going to make these owners a lot of money over the next decade, 15 years. It just fundamentally changed the conversation. Wild to say that of all of the stars in that video, and there were a lot of stars in that mm -hmm. video, the yeah. most important was Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans and the most important, more important than anyone else was Patrick Mahomes. Well, as Mel Brooks famously said, it's good to be the king. And that's what we're seeing right now. I think it's interesting to compare what Patrick Mahomes is saying today with what Tom Brady did not say right. in 2016 when this first bubbled up in the NFL as an issue. And that's a reflection of how those two situations played out. It's a reflection of the baton being passed from Brady to Mahomes. There isn't any question now who the big dog in the NFL is. None at all. I wonder if Watson and Mahomes weren't a part of this, does the NFL do anything? I mean, that's what you're looking at. These are the two quarterbacks who are going to be the face of the league. Maybe Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson are included in that. What's the commonality between all these guys? They're all black. And so the NFL, again, while you appreciate them following up with this video, I think was left with no choice, especially with Mahomes involved. I'll continue on with my key text from this article. Doug Williams, the first black quarterback to start in a Super Bowl and be selected the game's MVP, couldn't be more impressed with the young quarterbacks, especially Mahomes. And the article quotes, let me tell you something that Mahomes' involvement was huge. We're not talking about a 15-year veteran. We're talking about a young man who's not even 25. He's been the MVP of this league. He has won a Super Bowl. Just right there, he's already made an impact in this league. Then he goes and does this at this time with all these young people out here marching in the streets and demanding change. It's a different time right now. You see that there are so many young people leading. It says a lot that he wanted to be involved in pushing for that change. It was very powerful. And here is Lewis Riddick on ESPN's NFL Live, who has always been a supporter of Patrick Mahomes. I remember a couple of years ago when Jimmy Pataro, the head of ESPN, was talking to us all as a group, and the NFL group in particular, and was talking about the fact that the league is looking for us and looking overall for a new leadership group to really identify who the up-and-coming stars are going to be, who are going to be the people that carry this league going forward. And one of the first people that popped into my head was Pat Mahomes because of the things that the people down in Kansas City were telling me even before Patrick got on the field. From the very first day he walked into the building, what his approach was, how he wanted to be someone that people trusted, how he wanted to be someone who earned the respect of the players based off of his ability to perform. He wanted to be someone who made a positive impact on that football team because of the combination of those two things. One, I can be trusted to do the right thing. And two, I'm a damn good player and I'm going to impact you positively and I'm going to impact this football team in this city and I'm going to impact this league. And he has made good on every single one of those things. And the fact that he is African-American and he is someone who right now lends his face 
to a cause overall that's bigger than just him. I mean, it's 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 so big. I mean, really, it's it's what is it's what we're talking about socially. Just kind of once again, it kind of like adds on to what his credibility factor, what his credibility quotient is right now, and it's exactly what was needed because look, he is not only right now. I mean, the world right now, the United States right now is looking for leaders. They're looking for transcendent leaders, people who are really committed to the cause. He's committed to this from a social perspective. He's obviously committed to what he's doing from a professional perspective. And it's just a perfect, perfect unison, a perfect marriage that right now is going to take him and elevate him to places, as Jason said, maybe none of us expected. ESPN's Lewis Riddick. And what's even more amazing about this, John, is that this is a quarterback who is in negotiations to sign the richest contract in NFL history. There is all the reason in the world right now to keep your mouth shut. There is. And he decided not to. Well, it's, it's a different world. Riddick almost sounds like he's suggesting uh, Mahomes should run for political office. I mean, that's the way he's, that's the kind of thing you would say about someone who was considering a run for political office, the way he's talking about him there. Very, I mean, very interesting to me. But you're exactly right, though, Pete, that this is normally the time that you would do anything not to be involved in any controversy, and Mahomes doesn't care. He's going to do what he's going to do, and that's a reflection of how he values his leadership to others, how others value his leadership to them, and his own character. You know, we keep saying it over and over again. He never puts a foot wrong. Now, in the eyes of some people, this might be a foot wrong. Right. But in the eyes of many, it is not. And Mahomes doesn't care. He's going to do it because he thinks it's right. Yeah, and let me be clear here, and excuse my French, as they say, he thinks about this shit. We know that yeah. he thinks a lot about this mm-hmm. shit. He thinks about this shit so much that when Alex Smith was the quarterback, he didn't take advertising because he didn't want to be seen in the light of, as someone that is a distraction. So everything he does to me is measured. And when he makes a statement like this, that even makes it better for me that he weighed all the risk that could be involved with this. And he said, all right, I believe in this so much that I'm going to do it anyway. The last text from this that really stuck with me And I ended up tweeting it out, an image of it, and it got me a little bit of heat, and I'll explain it. He's blazing a new trail despite the risks. Mahomes is whip smart. He put himself out there in support of issues that many people who regularly fill Kansas City's Arrowhead Stadium, and there's no way to sugarcoat this, vehemently oppose, and he didn't care. And so I put this out on Twitter and recommended that people read the article, and I got some pushback and blowback about me calling it a powerful statement, and that that's what it is. I don't know how accurate it is. I know that there is a contingent of Chiefs fans who aren't going to agree with the protest. I know there's a contingent of Chiefs fans that do not agree with Black Lives Matter. I see constantly the All Lives Matter posts on Twitter and Facebook and so on and so forth. There are people that are opposed to what Mahomes is saying. There's no doubt about that. And for me, what this was and what that quote of the article says is Mahomes is leading a charge that has made what was previously uncomfortable comfortable 
And the old take that was comfortable to take will now be uncomfortable to take. And that is a transition that needed to happen here. Amazing that we're seeing it in our lifetime. This seems like this even transcends the NFL. It does transcend even Mahomes. This is such an important month in the history of the world. Again, it's just a complete and utter 180 shift of theory. And Mahomes, to me at least, is on the right side of that. And I agree with that. But I also think that we have to look at it the same way that we're looking at Roger Goodell's statement on Friday night. These are all good thoughts. It's good for all of us to do a better job of listening and understanding what this movement is about, what these issues are about. But what really is going to matter is what happens concretely. You know, what effect it has in what government does, what police departments do, all of these things. And we don't know the answer to that yet. We don't know what the right thing to do is. We ought to be talking about it. And thanks to the leadership of people like Patrick Mahomes, we are talking about it. And that's always got to be the start. You're right. The conversation has has certainly been started. And I just think we're in a better place now than we were before George Floyd was brutally murdered. And that, to me, is a good thing. And I think people should be proud of Patrick Mahomes for being what will now be a significant part of it. I think you're looking at a fall where players are kneeling again during the national anthem, if they even have the national anthem. And it'll be interesting to see how this develops, how people handle that. We're already starting to see some of the conversations that we saw a few years ago happening on the internet. How will that translate to real life? How will that translate to the NFL's bottom line? Will the NFL still be in stark support of the players when they start to see maybe a decline in money? Who knows? I'm not saying that that'll definitely happen, but I guess it is possible. So you're right. Will the momentum continue? And to a greater extent, and you hit this perfectly, John, what will it mean in real life? Will we start Mm -hmm. to see a better America, a better place to live and grow no matter what you look like? And a safer place to live and grow no matter what you look like. You know, I think we all agree on this. Everybody deserves an opportunity to be safe. Everybody deserves the opportunity to prosper as an American. These things are not always assured to everyone, and sometimes it's on the basis of the color of their skin. I think we'll all agree that that's wrong. The question is, how do we address it? So the important thing is for us to talk about it, listen to each other, and try and find commonalities in the ways to approach it so that we can affect real change. And that's what these NFL players want, is real change. They don't want that spotlight on them. They want to play football. They would rather not talk about it, frankly. I think even Patrick Mahomes would tell you as strongly as he feels about it, he would probably rather not ever have to talk about it. That's the place where we need to get If you don't want there to be NFL protests, then we need to fix these problems because they're going to happen until we do. 
That's really well said. That's my deputy editor, John Dixon. My name is Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Another good conversation, I think, on some really tough subject matter. We'll continue keeping you updated on all your Chiefs news at ArrowheadPride.com. Coming up on Wednesday, another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. Please rate and review us. Give us five stars, if you will. Leave us a comment. You can contact me at any time at PG Sweeney. John is at ArrowheadPhones. Hit up ArrowheadPride.com. We'll see you next time on Thursday for another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.